Thriving with ADHD, an inspiring interview with Catherine Lizardo Esquire. Discover the inspiring story of Catherine Lizardo Esquire, a lawyer and speaker who has thrived professionally and personally while living with ADHD. From her humble beginnings in the Philippines to her success in the U.S., Catherine shares her journey shedding light on the importance of compassion in mental health, discourse, embracing ADHD, and confronting cultural stigmas around it. Tune in for her empowering insights this official ADHD month of October. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. I'm so excited to introduce our guest to you today. Meet Catherine Lazardo, the force behind ADHD Life Simplified dedicated to aiding mothers with ADHD. As a thriving mom with ADHD, TEDx speaker and seasoned lawyer, she combines scientific knowledge with personal experiences enriching her understanding of ADHD. Her role as a media legal analysis allows her to reach over 100,000 worldwide viewers via live TV shows and online streams. Her work on the Law and Crime Trial Network's YouTube channel has gained international attention, while her recognition in publications like the New York Post underscores her influence. A beacon of positive change, Catherine aims to reshape global mental health discourse and inspire others through her powerful insights. Please help me welcome Miss Catherine Lazardo. 
Thank you, April. I really appreciate those generous words of yours. My pleasure. I'm so thrilled to have you here on the show. I've had the ultimate pleasure to be able to see you on stage and share your beautiful journey, the beautiful business that you have created that is truly inspiring others and shaping the understanding of ADHD. So let's jump in. Let's share with the audience a little bit more about who you are. Yes, well, my journey has been long. It took a lot of years, tears, and fears. Uh, it all started, you know, in the Philippines, like you mentioned, I was born and raised there. Uh, and I'm a proud immigrant to the United States. I immigrated here in the United States when I was 16 years old. I was already in high school, in the middle of high school. I even distinctly remember that. Uh, and English is my second language. And so when I was in the Philippines, I was always dreaming and I didn't even think I'll get here to the United States or I, I didn't even think about going to the United States. But we came from a, a very humble background. Uh, there were even points where I almost dropped out of high school because we didn't have the money to go to high school there. Uh, but I'm always dreaming big. You know, if you're going to dream, dream big. Somehow I just had that in me. Uh, and by some force of the universe and blessings, I immigrated to the United States uh, and uh, I learned English and mastered it as my second language. Uh, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. As you know, I, I mentioned that at the talk that you attended uh, and I didn't know how to be a lawyer. I was. I didn't know any lawyer. None of my family members were lawyers. Uh, so I was wondering, how do I even become a lawyer? But I just tried to pursue that. Uh, you know, I, I, I put that in my head that I want to be a lawyer. And then I found people who were willing to help me and guide me through that process. Uh, and I ended up going to UCLA for college. Uh, well, my, let me, let's yeah. go back just a tiny bit. Catherine, sure. what initially inspired you to that made you want to become a lawyer to begin with? Well, it's actually my upbringing in the Philippines. Um, it was this radio talk show, ironically enough, <laughs> that we're here. Uh, it was a children's They are inspiring. Talk show. Yes, it was a children talk show. Uh, it was in elementary school. It was in third grade. And uh, my my teacher just told me, hey, uh, Catherine, you and another student of our class will go to this children talk show. Nothing big, just something for to represent our school. And I was excited. OK, it's a talk show. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, we, we didn't even have uh, a radio at home, you know, and, and we had a black and white TV where you still turn the channel. So I was curious, what would a talk show look like on radio? So we go there uh, to the to the radio station uh, and we were seated and everyone looks intimidating. I was in third grade, small, petite. I am still small and petite right now, <laughs> but even smaller then. <laughs> uh, and I sat in the booth with my classmate and with the host and they told us, 
it's going to be easy after this uh, children's song that's playing on air. We'll ask you a quick question as to who is your favorite president uh, of the Philippines. And I thought, okay. Now, my the, the, uh, the song ended, and so my classmate gave her uh, her answer. I don't even remember what her answer was. And then it was my turn. And I said, my favorite president of the Philippines is Ferdinand Marcos because I felt that uh, during his uh, his leadership, we had more uh, less chaos and uh, more civility in our society. After I said that, the host turned off the mic completely uh, and turned to me and said, do not say that ever again on live air ever. And the reason for that was because uh, around that time was uh, just shortly after the revolution in the Philippines, uh, martial law, and then a coup d'etat, where the people uh, revolted against Ferdinand Marcos and the first uh, female president was elected in the Philippines. But for me, I was a little girl watching TV and just seeing it and hearing what adults talk about. And so this was my perception. And I felt mm. this is what I wanted to say. And I thought, I thought we were done with that regime where we were censored and actually uh, 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 put into great fear of our lives because of what we say. And so here I was a third grade little girl thinking, oh my God, are the soldiers gonna come and take me away and put me to jail right now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what's happening? Okay. And so I'm just like, you know, really afraid for my life. I was just scolded on, uh, you know, off air and I didn't know what was gonna happen. I see people on TV being uh, rushed out uh, by the military, put in prison and no one knows what happens to them afterwards. So I thought that was gonna happen to me and my family. And for days, I, I thought that was gonna happen. Like someone's just gonna come to our, our living room, our house and take us all away. Uh, of course that didn't happen because I'm still here with you and your audience. But that experience made me think, you know, I wanna know what my rights are and I wanna be able to advocate for myself and know how to defend myself. That's okay, Catherine, I, 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 ha I have to stop you right here because okay. I don't know if the the, the public school systems are different there, but what age roughly were you in third grade? Uh, third grade, I would say nine. I was around nine years old, nine or because 10. It just seems so, such a, a profound thing for a nine-year-old to think about and have this experience, but at the same time, living through this fear-based modality uh, so often definitely would have brought you to think, okay, wait a minute. I don't like feeling like this. I don't want to be in fear for myself or my family and all of the unknowns. So yeah. And it also makes me think, Catherine, through your story, why would you ask the question if you wanted a specific answer, right? <laughs> Especially yeah. from a child. <laughs> yes. And I, I, 
they probably never thought in their wildest mind that I would say the name of the former president who just got ousted, right? Uh, because it was all a new democracy happening in the Philippines. But I only knew two presidents, really, Ferdinand Marcos and also the new female president, who was Wait. Corazon Aquino at that time. So those were the only two I knew. I was only 10. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That story is so moving to me. Yeah, it, it profoundly changed my concept. And uh, that made me realize, you know what, I, I, I want to be a lawyer, I want to learn more. At one point, I wanted to be the second female president of uh, the Philippines. And I was thinking about politics. Uh, and then I, I learned more and matured more. And uh, I immigrated to the United States and decided to still pursue being a lawyer. And I'm grateful for that because, quite honestly, I have no idea how I could be a lawyer in the Philippines when uh, I was almost going to drop off out of high school because we didn't have any resources to finish high school. Wow. Well, I think that this is such a profound story for you, and you really have gone into such detail and such insight of how it really stemmed for you wanting to move into law and have a better understanding of what is that? I want to know all of my rights. I want to know details. I want to know how best I can respond for myself, my family, for others. So tell me a little bit more about what direction you decided to go from there. When I immigrated here in the United States, um, I remember because it was junior year in high school, right? I was 16. I remember my classmates were talking about SAT and like, we're going to take the SAT in two months. And, I'm, and I was thinking, what is SAT? And then they, they explained to me that's something I have to take to get go to college. And so I thought, OK, I have to take it. Um, and so I took the SAT without um, any prep course, without it much preparation. I did not even know what that was. I just signed up for the course, saved money so I can pay for, uh, not the course, but pay for the test and took the test. And because I came from a different educational system in the Philippines than here, I remember I, I did not, I haven't even had the chance to take geometry at that time. And it was mm -hmm. part of the test. Uh, so, uh, you know, the math portion, I really did bad, as you can imagine, but somehow I was able to get a decent enough score on my SAT uh, and was able to apply to colleges. And I remember that I, I got accepted at UCLA. Uh, I was very fortunate that I did. Uh, and I remember my high school counselor discouraging me to go. She said, I, I don't think you should go because I don't think you'll make it at UCLA. Uh, and she was trying to steer me to a much smaller school. Uh, and I'd like to give her the benefit of the doubt in terms of she, I think she truly thought that was the best for me to say, don't go to UCLA, but go to a smaller school. You just immigrated here in the United States. You're still yeah. getting acclimated with, um, with the culture, with the language. And I understand that. But at the same time, 
I was thinking to myself, I know what I'm capable of. I have been a good student in the Philippines and I have excelled as well in school. I think I'm going to give this a try. And I did. I'm glad I did because UCLA holds such great memories for me in college and with my education and my social life as well. Well, in that regard too, Catherine, I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on really taking that idea and that lesson of jumping in and really exposing yourself to something new, to something maybe scary uh, in many aspects of life? It seems to me like that really happened to you. You're in this brand new culture. You're in a whole different school system and the way that it's being taught and maybe even lagging a little, if not a lot behind because you are learning at different levels and jumping into something that is, is kind of bigger for a lot of people too. Going to law school is not a small feat. I think looking back, my ADHD helped in this situation. I did not know I had ADHD then. I found out I had ADHD. I was diagnosed after college. So while I was in UCLA, I had no idea that I had ADHD. But looking back, I I felt motivated uh, and uh, and just challenged by the fact that I'm going to go to a new school, a college, and then also I can be in a big classroom with 200, 300 students. And then we also have small classes that have 30 students. I felt I could blend in or I can stand out in the smaller classes. I had the ability to choose. And because I I always self-reflect and I knew myself well enough that I appreciated my counselor's advice, but I know myself more and I trusted my instinct. I always trust trust my instinct and listen to it. That's why I, I pursued that, uh, that path when uh, I decided to go to UCLA. So I want to understand a little bit, let's, let's educate the audience a little bit on what is your definition of ADHD? ADHD is the short term for the abbreviation for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. ADHD for me means that it's a genetic, meaning it's in our genes and it's hereditary uh, and it's neurological. So it's a it's a genetic hereditary trait that is uh, also neurological because it's in our brain. Uh, with that as my cornerstone of what ADHD is, that has helped me um, embrace myself and accept myself for who I am. And despite what my ADHD weaknesses could be, I also play up my strengths. That's why I'm an advocate of saying embrace your ADHD, which means for three things for me. When I say embrace ADHD, just to uh, clarify that, what I really mean is, one, you truly understand what ADHD is from basic information to updated research. And then the second thing is to play up your strength. Find out what you're good at. For me, I was good at uh, being adaptable. You know, I, I adapted well from uh, to a new country, to a new language, to a new school. That was one of my strengths. 
And then I also played, a, a, I also compensated for my weaknesses. I try to understand what my weakness is and I'm not embarrassed of my weakness. Uh, I don't um, shy away from my weakness. I identify my weakness and then I find support from others uh, or even technology to help me compensate for that weakness. Now, I wasn't always like that. I wasn't born that way. This is a long journey. That's why I started off by saying my journey had a lot of years, tears, and fears because it is really that way. Years, tears, and fears. I love that you use that reference. That makes it really catchy, really easy to remember. <laughs> and I think that's one of those powerful aspects that people that have any sort of neurological differences or challenges um, that they have to navigate around, doing things like that really helps a lot. And I know that you have lots of awesome examples of things like that. But I want to go back a little bit, Catherine, and I want you to describe what were some of the things that were eye-opening for you that you realized. But to me, it sounds very much that as self-reflective as you have been, you have really been able to notice about yourself enough to realize that you need to do things differently. What were some of those things? When were some of the first moments that you started doing things differently because you saw the need to? When I was in the Philippines, actually, I remember we were um, partnered with a, a higher grade mentor, uh, to kind of guide you through the process. I was a freshman in high school, and uh, and then uh, I, we were partnered with a senior in high school. I remember talking to that mentor at one point saying, you know, I just feel different. I don't know what it is, but I just feel different. Sometimes I feel like I'm from a different planet. That's how I would describe it. I don't know what it is, how to identify it, Nothing. It's just this feeling. And what what's fascinating is when I started, uh, when I found out I had ADHD and started learning more about it, a lot of people with ADHD have felt that way, that instinctively they just have this feeling that I'm different, but I don't know what it is that I'm different about. Is it the way I think, the way I talk, the way I do things? And then it would cause me depression, uh, mm. knowing that I'm different from others or or feeling that I'm different from others. And I just want to belong, but I don't know how, if I don't even know what, what's different about me to begin with. So that was the frustrating part. I remember having a lot of letters back and forth with my mentor. And this was the time before emails. So we had to handwrite things. <laughs> there was no social media then, there's no computers then. So everything was handwritten on paper and pen. So we were exchanging letters and I was explaining to her, I, I don't understand why I feel this way. If only someone could help me figure it out. Mm. And, and someone did at some point, but it took, uh, you know, a, it took a long time. I was already an adult when I figured right. out what was going on. Well, so Catherine, through just personal discussion, you've mentioned some of the things that you would recognize as a parent or for yourself that really are signs of ADHD. And you had said that depression is 
a good possibility of being a sign that that is the case. Can you shed a little more light on some other signs or symptoms? When does it make sense to start asking more questions? I love that you asked that question because especially for women and girls, a lot of them, a lot of us get diagnosed first with depression. And to answer your question, uh, I'd like to tell my story of how I first found out uh, about my ADHD or the, the indication of my ADHD because it didn't happen right away. It, that in itself was a journey. I was at UCLA and I was talking to my English professor. I can even still remember her face. Uh, I was in her office talking about the English essay that I wrote and just got graded and I wanted to know what I could do better. Uh, so that was all the, the, my goal with that office hours. So I go into her office with my paper. We started talking. She started talking and telling me, maybe you should do this better next time or do this, do this. Out of the blue, and I mean out of the blue, I started crying. And I was crying hard. I'm talking about I couldn't breathe. I was like... Fluid was coming out in every part of my body, my eyes, my nose. I was like, oh my God, I don't have a tissue. I can't breathe. What's, and I was like, what is going on? I really literally told her, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm crying in front of you. I just want to talk about my essay. And, and then she had this kind eyes and compassion that she showed me, her face just turned very kind, non-judgmental and said, okay, relax, it's okay, you're gonna be fine. And then she said something I've never heard before. I think you might have depression. And I thought, depression, what is that? never even heard of the word depression before. And from the Philippines, mental health was not really talked about at that time. I've never heard of depression before. I didn't know about mental health issues. So she was the first one who told me about the word depression. And she said, look, UCLA has a free clinic for UCLA students that you can go to where you can talk to counselors. I think it would be helpful for you to go there. That's how it started. I went to UCLA uh, counseling department, tried to schedule an appointment, and it's a resource, free resource for students. I didn't have health insurance. I, even though I was working two jobs and I was a full-time student, but my jobs were all part-time. I had two jobs so I can pay for college and pay for whatever I need from college on top of my student loans. So it was just a free clinic for me. And that was the only mental health clinic that I knew of. Uh, Again, this was a time before Google or any internet, any social media. So the information was extremely limited. It, it just came from my professor. And then I went there. But, you know, the, the, the resources were so limited, it didn't really help me. Uh, and ultimately, I got diagnosed after college because once I started working full time, I was able to have my own health insurance and see a proper psychiatrist. I was blessed again to find a psychiatrist 
who diagnosed me correctly. And uh, that's where my journey started over 20 years ago. Wow. And my gosh, yeah, that took a long time. How did it feel for you when you were diagnosed? Well, when I was diagnosed and he said ADHD, again, I'm, I was thinking, what's ADHD? I've never heard of that, too. And so uh, <laughs> I just had to learn. And and my psychiatrist, uh, bless his, his soul, um, because he he passed away uh, and his name was Dr. Wallace. And he has, uh, you know, uh, he has been a big part of my mental health journey. Uh, he diagnosed me and he uh, helped me through the process. Uh, he uh, prescribed medication and I went to see him for therapy because he's a psychotherapist. Not all psychiatrists actually provide therapy, but he, he, wa he was able to do that. He was able to prescribe medication and also give me therapy. So I've been going to therapy once a week for over 21 years. That's wow. a lot of time of working on myself. Uh, wow. When I, I when I sat down one time and realized that, I was like, wow, that's a really long time. And I, I wanted to emphasize that to your viewers because they might just see me right now as this thriving person, thriving ADHD mom, but it took a long time. And I, I worked hard to get to where I'm at because most people just see in, the, in social media the good stuff, but there's a lot behind the scenes uh, that are happening as well. So you definitely have, it has taken a long time. It's taken this journey and through all of that, more of that self-recognition, that understanding, all of the work that's been put behind that in order to create the business that you have in order to shed some better light on ADHD for other people. And so we'll move into a quick commercial. And when we get back, we're going to start diving a little deeper into ADHD life simplified. So stay tuned. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved.
you have talked a little bit, Catherine, about how it's taking you this very long journey to really understand even being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. So many, many years of not really understanding why you felt differently to begin with, even alien-like sort of what you <laughs> described. And I think that's really fun to not that it was fun at the time, but it's a great way of describing where you just feel so different than other people. And then having that diagnosis of depression, but it actually having more underlining issues that actually is causing that. So a lot of the journey has brought to you um, more understanding of ADHD. Now, you have talked a little bit about compassion and ADHD. What do you mean by really needing and honing in on a compassion aspect surrounding this? Compassion is a big component of my message about uh, embracing ADHD. Because I think it's not just about the science behind ADHD. A lot of people talk about the medical information about ADHD and, uh, and the medications about ADHD, the therapy, the coping strategies. But what I found in my long years of journey that when people showed compassion to me, like my, my English professor at UCLA and Dr. Wallace, the psychiatrist who first I diagnosed me and a lot more people along the way, that's when it made a big difference to me. Uh, and then I, I started understanding a concept of self-compassion as well, coming from a culture where uh, people didn't really show their emotions that much uh, and people are very reserved and conservative. You don't talk about mental health. You don't talk about how you feel in public. That was difficult for me. That's why my when I created my mission-driven company, ADHD Life Simplified, I wanted it to be culturally sensitive too because I know personally how it was like. And if you can't talk about it at home or in your community, it's really hard. And that's why self-compassion, when I say compassion, is compassion to yourself and to others. But when I started working on myself, that's where it helped me because then I am able to show compassion to others. I think it's difficult to show compassion to others if you don't understand how to give that to yourself to begin with. Uh, and April, let me just add uh, real briefly with what I mentioned about depression and ADHD. Um, there is this term called comorbidity in with ADHD, which is a lot of people have comorbidity with ADHD, which means they have another mental health condition such as depression, anxiety, uh, uh, other learning uh, challenges as well. That's why it's difficult to figure out. That's why I got diagnosed yeah. with depression first before ADHD. And at, at a long time, we didn't know if it, it was depression causing the ADHD or the ADHD causing the depression. So, right. So when, when you've created ADHD life, which I would love to add to the screen, your, your <laughs> flyer here and the reason that this is really important because you put a lot of time and energy in creating, I mean, this has taken years in the making 
to really be able to bring the best information to society regarding ADHD. So I love the title. First off, I have to say ADHD Life Simplified. That that title in and of itself is like this, oh, like simplified. Wait a minute. It's like it's calming. It, it's a relaxing. It's like, okay, simplified. Somebody knows what they're talking about. Somebody, you know, I that I can relate to, maybe, right? So tell us a little bit about the the creation of this, how you got to um be with the colors and the title and all of it. I, well, I wanted to mention about the simplified. Um, that's one of my gifts. That's one of my strengths that I play up uh, most of the time because I'm really good at simplifying complicated information, whether in law as a lawyer or scientific information. I'm a proud nerd. And I saw <laughs> case law, I read rules, I read science magazines and research. And, and then once I read them, I love just synthesizing them and simplifying them. Because I think once you truly know the information, then you can simplify it. And as a lawyer, I hated it when other lawyers try to use big words and try to confuse people. But <laughs> I'm like, there's no need. Just tell them as it is. If you actually know what you're talking about, then you should be able to simplify the information. That's what I believe. And also, a lot of people need simplified information. Like you said, there's no need to confuse people. Uh, we're already confused, right? So simplify yeah. it. <laughs> and so how this came about, ADHD Life Simplified, I have to uh, thank my business coach, Elena Fernandez. She really helped me fine tune uh, this mission because I've always felt mission driven. That's why I had my, my law firm. I created my law firm first. I worked uh, for different law firms for about 10 years or 12 years uh, after I became a lawyer. And then afterwards, I realized, you know, something's still missing in my life. I'm looking for my why, and I want to help more people. And that's why I started my own law firm, uh, Lazardo Law. But even though I had my own law firm, I still felt something was missing. I wanted to make a, a bigger impact, a global impact. And that's how I, I finally figured out ADHD Life Simplified is my mission, which is to help mothers worldwide embrace their ADHD by providing them with simplified information and coping strategy. It has to be simplified so they can navigate their neurodiversity in motherhood with compassion, because that's exactly what I do with my family. And it's been um, a wonderful experience for me. That's how ADHD Life Simplified, the name came about, uh, because I wanted life to be simplified, and it's possible to simplify it. In terms of the logo. Um, well, you, well, I'll bring that in in a minute. But but going back to you have your own family and your own children, two little boys, beautiful family, by the way, we have some mm -hmm. photos to share here soon. But what I want to shed some light on, I mean, you really gear this towards mothers. And there's a specific reason why that is. There is. I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I best help? Uh, and, and that's when I looked at myself as well. 
Um, I started this mission-driven company uh, for my children as well and for my grandkids for the next ADHD generations. I call them Generation ADHD because because I knew I had ADHD, I knew I was going to, there's a high likelihood that my children would have ADHD. I remember Dr. Wallace telling me during one of our sessions, when you get pregnant and have kids, you will likely have kids with ADHD. And he was correct because research shows that if a parent has ADHD, they likely will have 40% to 57% chance of having a, a biological child with ADHD. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why I, I knew. And so I was very sensitive with the symptoms to look for when I had my 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 first son. Uh, and then because I worked on myself on the symptoms and coping strategies, I was able to apply that to my son so that he 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 doesn't have to feel uh, what I usually hear other other families uh, go through, you know, like um, uh, families who are not um, informed about ADHD yet, not to their fault at all. I'm not, I'm not saying it's their fault. It's just that they, their child has just been diagnosed. So they're starting their journey still, and they're not sure what to do. Uh, because I've been in my journey for a long time when I had my, my first son, I knew what to do. And I, the compassion was what I was showing him the whole time. So he doesn't have to uh, grow up thinking uh, or hearing words that other parents have heard their kids being told by teachers. Uh, I, I've, I've heard of a really sad story that I, I would cry listening to them where students who have ADHD will be at the back of the classroom. The teacher would just give them an iPad because they have uh, surrendered into teaching them or, or expelling them in school for their ADHD symptoms. It's so heartbreaking. But yeah. that's why I focus on the moms because the moms likely have ADHD as well or mom who have ADHD and they know it already, they can help their children who might have ADHD and their grandchildren and the, the next generation of ADHD in their family. It's so much easier to have compassion when you have knowledge and understanding of the situation, of what's happening inside our brains and body and all the human level and even, you know, all of the biological, physiological aspects of our makeup. And so, yeah, absolutely. Going towards the the parents is an understanding. You're right. It's the school system. It's not not great when there's so much harsh uh, perspective on what is happening maybe with a child when there's more underlining aspects to it. So uh, I'm actually, we'll go back to the logo, but because we're on the subject of the kiddos, let's, let's bring in that family pick because <laughs> I think that this is really adorable. I love the photo. I think that it's a great one to share. And how fitting. I love just You just got to tell me and the audience why you chose this photo, why you chose this background. You've got kids jumping on the couch. Let's talk. Yes, this is a special. I specifically asked my photographer to shoot this 
put this scene uh, as part of our photo shoot when I was um, trying to get pictures for the launch of my company. The reason is because when I started thinking, okay, I I started Googling uh, pictures about um, ADHD and I was so sad to see, and you can do this yourself, your viewers can do this yourself. If you Google ADHD family or ADHD mom, it's a picture of a, a parent sitting on a couch with their hands on their forehead, looking so ashamed, distraught, while their kids are running around the couch. And I wanted a different a different view of that because I thought if I'm a person with ADHD or if I'm a child with ADHD and I Google that and I see it, that would be devastating. Is this how my parents feel about me? That they're oh. ashamed and just like exhausted and they don't, that, this doesn't look like you love your child or compassionate. Trust me, I understand how hard it is to have kids. I, I, I have them and and there are times where you're so exhausted beyond belief, but I just didn't want that kind of picture out there. So I said, I want a picture where we're jumping on the couch because that's what we do at home. We jump on the couch. It's fun. We have compassion. We enjoy life. And it's just a couch. Even if it breaks, you know, it's fine. We can still sit on it or we can buy a new one, fortunately we could, but even if we can't afford one, I would still allow them to jump on the couch because it's part of the fun of having ADHD, being just out there being who you are. And there's us, we're always hugging. Hugging is a very important coping mechanism for us as well uh, in our family and for a lot of uh, people with ADHD. The connection, the compassion mm -hmm. comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. That human touch, that human interaction. And again, yes, the compassion, that is a huge, huge piece to have that for yourself while you're trying to learn and understand. And the same with the kiddos. Yeah. And when they, they realize uh, when the parents, when the moms, because my target are moms, when the moms uh, show compassion to themselves and to the kids, then the kids mirror that. I love hugging my kids for whatever reason throughout the day. I probably hug them like 50, 100 times a day for no reason. I just uh, approach them and just like give them a hug and kiss them and tell them I love you. And then I walk away. Uh, and then one, one day, my, my son was in his room. You know how he's uh, getting to be in the older and wants to just be in his room with a computer and just uh, had his door closed. And then he, he runs out of his room uh, to the couch where I was just watching TV. And then he hugs me and says, I just wanted to give you a hug, mommy. Okay, thank you. And then goes back to his room. And that was a sweet moment. <laughs> yeah, because you've really, you've really taught and embedded that action and that behavior, which is a very positive thing to have and to be. And it's very heart centered. And I think that that is one of the things that we all should have is that, that part of us that's very heart centered, very loving. It makes life so much easier, so much better. And when we're raising kiddos to be and do just that, it makes the world a better place. So thank you so much for sharing that. 
let's bring back in that logo and let's talk a little bit more about that piece. So we yes. have here, I mean, and the colors are are just beautiful. They're, I mean, great job on branding, right? So <laughs> Donald uses those yellows and the reds and it's all those really bright and happy, joyful sort of color. So it's really draws you in, especially for somebody who might be, you know, thinking really quick or not. Yes. Well, the logo, as you can see, is a brain with smiling and happy. My sister-in-law, April Lazardo, is a great graphic arts designer. And I told her, I want a logo where when people look at it, they'll feel happy. So does that make you happy, April? When you look at it, you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Catherine, your face makes me happy because you always have a smile. <laughs> so yes, it absolutely makes me happy. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to do because I wanted a positive message about ADHD. Uh, an ADHD diagnosis has a lot of negativity surrounding it. So I want to reframe that. That's why I wanted to reframe the global discourse into mental health compassion, because it could still be positive, uh, a positive message. That's why that's the logo we have. And then the, the yellow is because it makes you happy. If you see yellow, the sunshine makes you happy. And then the green for hope uh, and knowing that it's not always going to be sunshine every day because I go through depression too. Last week I was going through a hard time with my depression, but there will always be sunshine at some point. We will get through this and hopefully together we can do it. That's how that whole color and name and logo came about. It wasn't, uh, it was in my vision. I call myself chief vision officer. I learned that from Simon Sinek, um, who said that uh, people called CEO, chief executive officer, doesn't really mean anything because it, what does what does that image conjure? But if you say chief vision officer, it's more tangible. And it's true. I, I have the vision and I'm hoping that I can impart a positive message about ADHD globally. So tell us a little bit more about what is the what's the vision for this company? And I also want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you, because I know that you have so much information, you jam packed information and you also write articles to educate your audience on a regular basis about this topic. So you can visit Catherine's website at www.adhdlifesimplified. <laughs> Super simple. It's simplified. And so I just want to make sure to highlight that for everyone. It'll also be in the description below. So for those of you who are tuning in now or tuning in later, it's easy access. So Catherine, tell us a little bit more about how uh, you are envisioning the future with ADHD Life Simplified? Well, the, the steps that I'm taking with ADHD Life Simplified is first simplifying information globally. Uh, I read uh, in a World Health Organization report uh, recently that in other countries, especially the poorer countries, there are limited resources, understandably, of 
healthcare professionals and information about mental health, even ADHD, but people have access to mobile phones more than access to mental health care. Mm. And with that, um, I read that just last week, but you know, when I launched my company, I already knew I wanted to take advantage of social media. Uh, social media has gotten a lot of bad rep in terms of negative information, negative um, messages, but I wanted to change that up too. I'm always the one that, that wants to change the rules of the game. I think that's part of my ADHD. So I said, I'm just going to push out information that is positive and simplified and science-based and based on compassion and coping strategies that have worked for me. So social media, I use that heavily. My website is that, and my social media handle is ADHD Life Simplified. I'm in all social media um, as much as possible. And on Mondays, we post uh, information about compassion, uh, how to be compassionate to yourself and to others, because that one was really new to me. I learned more of the science-based ADHD before I learned the deeper compassion um, lesson. So I'm hoping to share that by simplifying it in those posts. And then on Wednesday, we provide simplified coping strategies about ADHD that even everyone can use. And then on Fridays, I provide scientific information about ADHD. But throughout the week, I am still creating content. Um, you mentioned earlier in the show that October is ADHD month. So I am preparing, my team and I are preparing a lot of information, simplified information about ADHD, because if you start with simplifying this information and people see it, both the people with ADHD and the general public, my hope is everyone starts getting desensitized with the stigma of mental health because once they read a post, whether or not they engage with it, they already read what I said. And my posts are usually short clips, like a pop-up. So as they're scrolling, they might inadvertently read that if you're a parent with ADHD, your child, you might have a child, 40 to 57% chance of having a child with ADHD. They could easily read that yeah. and then scroll up. They don't need to like, they don't need to share, they don't need to comment, but they read it. Now it's in their, in their head. Yeah. The seed has been planted. We call that for lawyers, you cannot unring the bell. And that's what I'm hoping, which is to just ring the bell and let everyone hear it. And if they want to yeah. uh, use that information someday, great. If not, it's still in their head. Well, Catherine, that is brilliant. And it's it's obvious that you have put an exceptional amount of work and thought into being able to expose information to a worldwide audience easily, something where people can really pick up on something quickly. And you're right, that bell has been rung. So <laughs> I love what you're doing. I think it's incredible. I would love to ask a little bit more because you have done extraordinary things throughout life. You are a beautiful influence to people around you, this light and this inspiration because you have, you know, dealt with things that were a little more challenging for you, yet you continued to put one foot in front of the other. 
being a lawyer, again, isn't a small feat for everyone, especially someone with ADHD. What are some of the tips and tricks that you have found been the most beneficial for you during your time uh, on this earth? Uh, one is advocating for myself. It's really hard, uh, but to advocate it. Um, I was working on this social media post that um, we'll post this week, which is mental health is a human right. Uh, mental health is your human right. Uh, I think when you put that perspective, then you will feel more empowered. It does for me. And um, and thinking of it as my right, then I become an act advocate for myself. As a lawyer, I've, I've handled medical malpractice cases. And so I always tell my clients, uh, and one of the learning things we, we figure out is you have to advocate for your health, whether physical health, and especially your mental health, as to speaking up to your doctor, telling them your concerns, um, making the decision for yourself, especially for your mental health. That's how you advocate for yourself. Also, how to advocate for yourself as in school. I'm teaching my kids how to do that as well for their mental health. Mm -hmm. When I was in law school, it was really difficult for me because um, I, I suffered a lot of stigma and um, a lot of uh, negativity uh, from other people because at that time I already knew I had ADHD. So I'm always I was vocal about my ADHD and I advocated for accommodations for myself, which uh, has a lot of negativity for other people because they believe that that's something that puts them at a disadvantage when actually it the accommodations help me be at the level that they are. But there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about it, which is part of the simplifying information I'm sharing out there. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It has been so awesome to have your story and to share your journey. Thank you so much, Catherine for being here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. I'm excited to branch this out a little farther for you with the audience to give them some knowledge on something that it affects many of our lives, ADHD. And so Catherine, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? Yes, and that is, you know, em embracing ADHD is truly understanding ADHD, but also is trying to figure out if you have ADHD, uh, there is a free screening tool for ADHD that the World Health Organization created, but not a lot of people know about. They created this in 2017, but uh, to help fill in the gap between people uh, among people who don't have the money, don't have health insurance, don't have access to medical care, so they can't get a proper diagnosis. But you can screen yourself. It takes only five minutes to do, and it's free. It's been translated into different languages. Um, I created a blog post on my website at ADHDLifeSimplified.com with the direct link to the screening tool so you can do it. So if you're wondering, do I have ADHD? Are all my challenges, could it be because of my ADHD? Take that screening tool and see if it is. Now, the screening tool is just a tool. You still need an official diagnosis, but at least it helps you, that the tool, to advocate for yourself and your mental health. I hope that helps as well. 
That is huge. That is an absolutely massive help. I think that having access to something like that is a big deal. It's it's easy and it's applicable. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so glad that I heard you say that it's embedded inside your website because people can just go straight to your website, not only have all of the information that you have provided on there, but access to that. So that is awesome. Wow. Yeah, I love I love that they translated it to in different languages because a lot of people can't understand, you know, English as their second language, but they've yeah. translated it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much again, Catherine, for being on the Wellness Driven Live Show. It has been an honor to have you share your wisdom and expertise with us. Thank you, April, for having me. My pleasure. All right, everyone. Well, goodbye for now, and we will see you later.